Alright, what's up everyone? Now, we're on the third episode of the 13 families of the Illuminati, or as we call them, the Illustrious Council of 13. Now, we're just going to get right into this because there actually is a lot we're going to be going over on this next family, more than the first two. Uh, but what we're going to cover is the intro to the Collins family, okay? This is the next family. They're one of the most secret families out of all 13 families. There's going to be a few others that are like that. Actually going to be more secret than this one. Has less information. Uh, but this one has a good deal of information that they've been able to hide, but not hide as well with what we have. Uh, we are going to go over the history of the Collins family, their background. Uh, we're going to talk about how prevalent they are today. Then at the end, like always, as those that stick around, do appreciate everyone that listens in. And so that's why we give long-term generational wealth advice. And we're going to go over that at the end, as well as giving a book, which is what we do to help people grow. So this is not just about the 13 families. We are wanting to help build long-term generational wealth and put that back in the hands of the people because uh, what these 13 families have been able to do legally, we can do as well. But we're not going to stoop to their level and commit these atrocities like they will, and they have. But we need to expose them. So without further ado, let's get right into it. So we're going to go over the Collins family. Um, now, here's a little bit about this. They established themselves in occultism in the 1630s. Now, one individual that's going to be very prevalent we'll go over is Yvonne Collins, who's the Grand Master of the Grand Druid Council. And besides establishing themselves in occultism, they secured through their power over the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, and the Onassises. Okay? We're going to talk about those three families later on. And the reason why I say Rothschilds is very specific because of the way that they actually found their name and started their name. But we're going to get into that when we talk about them. But for now, we're on the Collins. We're going to hear different surnames, such as Todd, Putman, Putnam, Phelps, Whitney, Harriman, Payne, and Vanderbilt. And we're also going to talk about how W. Averill Harriman, Prescott Bush, Fritz Thyssen, Frederick Flick financed the Nazi regime. So we talked about the Nazis a little bit yesterday. We're going to talk a little bit about them here. We're not going to go in too much into it. We're going to go into that into another family later on. Uh, but one person that we are not going to talk about that there is not much information on is Charlie Chaplin. So Charlie Chaplin is a member of the Collins family. Uh, but we will not speak on him since he's not the one that's most prevalent for the Collins family. But to go back into their real history, the Collins is an old New England family. Okay, early members of it were Francis, Edward, and John. Okay, these were three brothers. Now, part of the satanic branch may live in England as well. Uh, 
like most of the top Illuminati or illustrious council families, the Collins have spread all over. So that means they've even gone to the West Coast as they have, have some members over there of their satanic bloodline. Now, part of the family is both related to aristocracy and to witchcraft. Now, for instance, I have a complete list of all people accused of witchcraft in New England in the 17th century, which includes some Collins. Now, there's the 17th century. was the first century that British settlers, mostly Puritans, some of whom are also known as pilgrims and congregationalists, settled in New England. Okay, in 1640, in Aquaday, Massachusetts, uh, there was a Collins that was accused of witchcraft. And in 1653, Jane Collins was accused of witchcraft. And I was in Lynn, Massachusetts. Okay, and the Collins family, they did live in Salem, Massachusetts, as everybody... No, so I'm going to let that sink in just for a couple seconds. Yeah, Salem, Massachusetts. The area was Marblehead during the 1650s when the witch trials occurred. What they did is actually they were the ones that were involved in the witchcraft and they blamed it on people that had nothing to do with it. It was actually just neighbors. It was literally just neighbors. And these neighbors were Christians. That's one thing that's very prevalent within 13 families is that they go after Christians and Jewish people. That is one of their goals, is to ultimately destroy them. <clears throat> Excuse me. We did talk about that in the other first two episodes. We're also going to talk about that here a little bit more. Um, but let's put this into perspective of how powerful they really are in the occult world within the 13 families. This experience dates to 1955. Now, this is a meeting that is held twice yearly and to which the Rothschilds and all of their mother families attend. Okay? Uh, a mother family will give, for instance, would be Mothers of Darkness. Now, we're not going to get into deep into that right now. We're going to talk about that much, much later uh, because we are here just for the Collins. This is what we're going to be going on over. But I know people are going to be interested in Mothers of Darkness, and we will definitely cover that. Uh, but moving on to the meeting inside in a big room, there was the grandmother on the throne was a Collins. And this was Yvonne Collins. Okay? The Collins family has been kept out of the limelight because they have more occult power than the Rothschilds or the Rockefellers combined even as well as Anastasis, like we mentioned at the beginning. So to make money, this Collins family does something financially, such as deal with the exchange of money. So more of like business transactions in banking, but more of with the foreign exchange market. So the changing of currencies there. Now, one of the things that's noticed is that numerous Collins have been insurance executives and Although I haven't exposed the connections between insurance companies and the New World Order, there is a book out which shows how the most insurance companies are connected and under the guidance of the New World Order elite. We're not going to get into that here, but we will get into that on another episode. But the grandmother Collins, dressed in black, has an ebony and gold moon-shaped throne that she can automatically rotate by pushing a pedal with her foot. 
that's the one thing that we're going to notice more is that the technology that they had was way more advanced than what the world has been progressing through. Uh, but behind her sits the Grand Druid Council with 13 members. So that's the head of each family. Now, it's going to be very difficult to find out who the one is sitting there because, of course, they're the ones that usually keep their name out, name out of the limelight. There is one we're going to talk about, but they're not in the Collins family. Now, besides this, this might or might not be the Grand Druid Council. Now, I said the Grand Druid Council, but it could be the Grand Council. Again, some of the information is soft. A lot of it is also hard facts. That's why for the difference between this council in 1955 is that it was all males, while the council in 1978 has several women on it. Now, the grandmother, a Collins woman, now was thought to be in her middle 50s at the time of this meeting. She had a deep dictatorial voice, was small in stature, and was very powerful. And I'm going to pause right there because that was a lot like my ex that actually changed my focus of reality. I was living in fantasy land and I'm not going to go into it right now. I'll go into a different, you know, just a personal episode, but my reality cracked. It was a fantasy that turned into looking at reality. So that's a little bit about my ex that did that to me, which is actually, I thank her for breaking that reality. So that way I could give this information to you folks, everyone that's listening. Now, she was decked out of her throne with a great deal of jewelry. <laughs> so with this, it's really interesting because one of the first things done was to lay before her feet small, I'm not kidding, small gold bricks shaped like small bricks and made of pure gold. Like, what? <laughs> That's what they do. They teach them how to be monarch-like, how to have all this power, where they literally just give voice and use occultism to have power. Now, she had two boys who were taken to be her sons, one of whom was Tom Collins. You know, Tom was later gunned down by the uh, Illustrious Council. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But those two sons were near her throne. As only the most honored and powerful dared be in the vicinity of her throne, this showed that these two Collins boys were powerful. Now, the boys passed out papers, which had timetables written on them, of things that were to happen. A great discussion was carried out on about what had happened in the world to bring in Satan's one-world government during the last six months, and what was prepared to happen in the near future. Things that... Here, here's really key. Things that had not gone according to plan were discussed. Meaning, they do not make everything perfect. They're not in complete control. Because they want to. They want to make the per picture perfect world, but it's not. <laughs> now, one of the things that was discussed was the Ark of the Covenant. Where it was actually hidden in Africa. As it's been previously discussed, Ethiopia is one of the main places. Uh, and they also have done ritual mocking of the Ark of the Covenant that was held. Now, here's where it's really 
going to start to get gruesome, but we, are, we need to hear these facts. Seven children in white were brought in from generational satanic families and presented before Grandmother Collins. They laid prostrate in worship of her. She would move her scepter with a snake up and down, striking the floor to show approval of a child candidate. Then seven other children were sacrificed for the seven approved children, one for each child, whose name would then be written with a quill using the sacrificed child's blood. The children were giving were given oaths. These are called blood oaths. Now, this, the grandmother rotated her throne and faced the Council of Thirteen and declared, This is tomorrow's generation, a chosen few. This is Yvonne Collins, Grandmaster of the Druid Council. And this was in 1955. Yes. <laughs> when the so-called American Dream was trying to commence forth, they were planning for a new world order. And they've been doing this for thousands of years. Now, a bit about Yvonne. Yvonne was a traditionalist. Now, what that means to be a traditionalist is that uh, she holds a view that only those people that are born to families with satanic power and witches in their family background can be true witches or warlocks. Witches are women, warlocks are men. Yvonne Collins would reject the idea that just anyone could become a witch of any significance by training and practice. Yvonne's occult name is Lagina, which means Lucifer's bride. So Lagina, who lived in Virginia, got upset with Jerry Falwell. He didn't follow orders well enough, so she got the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission, to investigate his church, which caused the church economic hardships. That's one thing we're going to go into a little bit more, not in here with this family, but other families. They control just about every religion out there, all but one. Again, this is for information based on people that have actually come from the satanic occult and are wanting to expose. They are not doing this just because. Because what happens is you die when you expose this information. When you are in the satanic elite, they kill you for exposing. That's why Isaac Cappy, so-called committed suicide, official story, they killed him because he exposed many of the pedophiles. <clears throat> there's more than just pedophiles. There's murderers, there's thieves, the list goes on and on. So it's, it's more disgusting than what people are really seeing right now. That's why we're focusing on the ones that are truly disgusting to expose them so that way we know who our true enemy is and so we can take our real stand. And the reason why is because there are many that come from the satanic occult who have a complete change of heart and go to the Lord Jesus Christ because they definitely, I'm not kidding, they all say, there's only maybe a few that don't, but those that do, which is the vast majority, claim by Jesus' blood is the only way, especially since they were on the opposite side. But to go ahead and continue on this, Tom Collins, okay, we're going into a bit about him, was in the Illuminati, but for some reason, the Lord changed his heart, and he began to talk to churches about what was really going on, which is why I mentioned this, okay? 
He had an itinerary of churches to speak to, of which a Baptist church was one. He warned what was going on. That's why he was gunned down in a grocery store parking lot and has been used as an example by the illustrious council to anyone else who dares utter a word. And they say, remember Tom Collins. They warn people in the covens. It's not just Tom Collins. That's just an example that they made of many. That those that are in satanic elite, you expose us, you die. Tom knew what was right. I know what was. I know what is right. Others know what is right. When we expose the truth, that's right. So this is where it's really interesting. The leading satanists or satanists feel they have special blood. The top ones feel they are gods. Even grandmasters may teach their selected children they are the god which created the children. That's how messed up their thinking is. That's why they do what they do, why they will do what they do. Now, Robert Moore Collins was a reporter for several important newspapers and worked as an editor in the Washington and New York offices of the Associated Press. He did the chiefly political work for the Associated Press. Now, he was the chief newsman of Reuters, which is illustrious council controlled press, and the Associated Press for many stories coming out of the Orient. Although he was born in Washington, D.C., his address as an adult became Burnmouth, England, and he was never married. We're going to go into some more individuals on here. Another is James F. Collins, who's in eighth degree. All right, we're going to go talk a little bit how the ninth degree is the highest degree. So that's one below. But John F. Collins died April 2nd, 1896, was with the original set of the SR officers. So SR is Societas Rosicrucianas. Now, the SR officers were of the first high council of the SR in America, which had oversight over all the SR colleges, which were the lodges in America. His position was a presenter. We don't know exactly what a presenter is, but we can only speculate what it can be based on its meaning of seen and unseen. Now, when the Canadians set up a Societist or Christiana in Canada, the High Council, which had oversight over all Canada, included Daniel Collins. Daniel Collins was also an eighth degree. Now, here we're going to talk about an incident of how they exposed, <laughs> like straight up from deep within one of their own, exposed. And this is a rare instant from Olympia, Washington, the capital of Washington. Uh, two weeks after Reagan was elected, this is a story here, not just a story, real story. As Reagan was already elected two weeks later, that a beautiful Mercedes pulled up to where this Christian brother was working. Now, the guy who got out was obviously rich. His suit had to be in the neighborhood of $80,000. And his wife had fox furs around her neck. 
They said their son was going to work for the state and they wanted to look for a home for him. Now, the woman was being independent and said, I don't want to go see the houses. I want to talk to this nice man. Now, this is very key right here, why she said that. Now, the houses were done by Donahue Construction. The men went on to look at the houses, and the woman remained behind and talked. The Christian is an easy talker with people. He struck up a conversation naturally. He said, I think it's great Ronald Reagan got elected. He's going to be a good president. The woman replied, we wanted George Bush to get it. Who's we? The Christian asked to this rich lady who kept tossing her furs back and forth. The Illuminati, she said. We're the enlightened ones, and George Bush was trained by us. Unfortunately, the men had just returned at this point and were entering the room. The man with the expensive suit was livid. Okay, said, shut your mouth. He yelled. Now, she huffed back. Well, if you insist... He then turned to the Christian, who he didn't know, and politely told him that they had failed to find anything that suited them. That was very key there, because said, thank you very much, everything is secure, and handed him the keys. Then he dragged the woman to the Mercedes, giving her hell all the way for talking, and when they got in, proceeded to physically slap her around. This was an extremely rare incident. Many of the satanic hierarchy lived their entire lives without uttering a word to anyone, anything about the hidden satanic side of their lives. As a rule, they find it very respectable cover lives in society. The more respectable, the better to cover their hidden lives. This is not everyone, but this is one of those instances because many of them are in the satanic elite because what they do is if you are wealthy, uh, you either do what they say or die. So, those that died were ones that were exposing and taking action against them. Now, here's another Collins. There's Joan Collins, a Jewish Hollywood actress from England. Now, jo Joan's grandmother lived in Brighton, England, and Joan mentions her father being a Jew on page 13 of her autobiography, Joan Collins Past Imperfect. Her father, Joe Collins, and his friend, Lord Lou Grade, had an acting company. Now, before I move for further, I don't have a problem with someone's belief system. I have a problem with the satanic elite and what they've done and what they've created. That's the problem. They are the source of the problems. Satan is the source of the problems, and he uses them to make these problems happen. Moving forward, Joe Collins' father, Will Collins, and his wife, a can-can dancer, Henrietta Collins, were also into acting. And in the 1970s, she was in several horror movies and picked up the title Queen of Horror Films, or Queen of the Horror Films. And this is, again, Joan Collins. Because in 1977 and in 1978, Joan was nude in two sexy films, okay, not her first, which were ex really expected to do better at the box office than they did. Uh, neither of the titles of the, these films bear repeating. Now, one was based on a sexy book Joan's sister wrote that was a bestseller in England. Joan was the first old woman to be in the buff in Playboy, December 83 Playboy. 
issue is a collector's item. And in her 40s, she was still posing in the buff, which, according to her autobiography, she feels comfortable doing. Um, really got to wonder if being exceptionally beautiful and a sex idol for millions makes it easier to pose nude. <laughs> uh, but for those you know, who watch Dynasty, you'll likely remember her. Now, for those who watched Hansel and Gretel, Joan was the witch. She was the woman in film, the devil within her. She was also in December 1982. Joan was, here, asked to be the mistress of ceremonies at Prince Albert Hall before the Queen and His Royal Highness Prince Philip's. She's into astrology as well. Besides her amazing beauty, her lack of morals made her a perfect fit for Hollywood. Among her many friends, she had Sammy Davis Jr. and Jane Mansfield as friends or acquaintances, both of whom are publicly known to be Satanists. She also rubbed shoulders with Henry Kissinger. Henry Kissinger has been well known to do many atrocities that is still around, which is amazing how a lot of people, how these people are still around, but you know, that's because we were not completely aware until most recently as more traction is being picked up. But we're going to go into another famous Collins, who is Michael Collins, who is one of the three astronauts on the Apollo 11. Now, the Apollo 11 was the first officially announced visit by the man to the moon. The first flag on the moon, however, was not the American flag, and it was the Scottish rights flag. The book that confirms this is be Wise as Serpents by Fritz Springmeier, which also has back, backed up evidence of documents, interviews, and other books that confirm this. Now, there are a number of very strange things about the flight and about what NASA has been doing. But Bud Aldrin is also a Freemason. Neil Armstrong has gone into seclusion, shunning any publicity. Wonder why? <laughs> Now, as Michael Collins puts it, Neil has dropped out and doesn't sell the NASA program. Carrying the Fire by Michael Collins, page 461. The title to his book is based on Greek mythology. The god Apollo carried fire, which is what Michael felt described Apollo 11. He wrote, I feel just as thankful today that I live in the United States of America as I did before flying in space. I have no desire for this country to merge into a United States of the world because he knew what was going on. He didn't agree with it, but he was definitely against it as well. Now we're going to go a little bit more backwards into their history. Now we're going to go to one ex-Illuminati or illustrious council member who was from the Collins bloodline stated that the Collins family brought witchcraft from England to America uh, for the first part of the 1700s. One of the British Collins was prominent for his books promoting deism against Christianity. As an example of some of their aristocratic ties, Arthur Collins had a nine-volume reference work, Collins' Peerage of England, and published in 1812 was a definitive work on aristocratic peerage. Obviously, Arthur Collins had a great deal of clout to be able to research such a massive work on people of significance in England. 
uh, Collins family gave us John Collins, third governor of Rhode Island. John Collins was born to the rich, powerful part of the Collins family at Newport, and, and that was in Rhode Island. Now, John Collins was born in 1717, died in 1795, and played an important part in the creation of our federal government and a role in one of the most remarkable court cases, Trevitt versus Whedon, which set the precedence in court which allowed courts to declare legislative enactments unconstitutional. What? So, this really dives deep back into the history and beginning of our country being formed. So, he advocated the issuance of paper currency and a strong central government, which made him unpopular in the rural areas of Rhode Island. He married a Mary Avery, another John Collins, which was born in 1775 and died in 19, 1822, born to a well-to-do Collins family, was 10th governor of Delaware from 1819 to 1822. We're going to get into others, as the wealthiest Collins that have been discovered so far. That is more current, is Matthew Garrett Collins, from born in 1874, died in 1925, was an oil producer. His fa father was Oliver Cromwell Collins, named after Oliver Cromwell. Oliver Cromwell was the early Mason who was paid off by the Amsterdam Jews to allow the Jews back into England. Now, why is this important? Well, that's because Matthew Garrett Collins was a Mason. Again, Matthew manufactured silk and in 10 years took the operation in 1886 from nothing to $2 million in business. That's insanity. Insanity in 1886. He was president of the Interstate Gasoline Company he worked with several other big oil men, such as Governor Charles Haskell of Oklahoma. He was trustee for Drew Seminary. He participated in Methodist Church. Matthew Garrett Collins' oil operations and friendship with the governor of Oklahoma are also very significant. Inside information indicates some type of connection between the Collins family and Oklahoma. And Tulsa is a major headquarters for Satanism in that area. And I can attest to how much poverty really goes in that that area. I, I used to speak to a young kid uh, when we used to play on Xbox Live, and he lives in, in Tulsa. I don't know if he still does, but uh, yeah, he told me about how bad and impoverished the place is. So I can definitely understand how they would be sitting up there, just as from history and what we've gotten so far based off the this individual I spoke to over Xbox. Um, but there's also another individual, Theodore Clyde Collins, Jr. We're not going to go into much detail onto these next few, but we're going to just cover the basis of them. But Theodore was an insurance company executive. He was a banker. He was also president of many other companies, etc., etc. There's Arthur Fletcher Collins, who was a real estate corporation executive, the head of some financial institutions and a financial analyst. 
Now, there was also Henry James Collins III. Okay, Henry James Collins III was an insurance company executive and treasurer of several financial organizations. J. Barclay Collins II was an oil company executive, was a lawyer, board of director, of trustee of a hospital. Now, Leroy Collins Jr. was also a banker, director, and or president of some organizations. So it varied between being a director and a president. Now, there was also John Paul Collins, a banker, a director of Rothschild's Citicorp Research Corp, plus trustee of a hospital, besides holding other leading positions in a number of other organizations. Uh, now, there's also Michael James Collins, not the astronaut, as there was. Now, this is a different one. Now, he was, he's been in an investment company executive, plus to name a few names, president of Fidelity Union Life Insurance. Okay. I mentioned that earlier, that they took precedence over the insurance business. Okay. He's president of Alliance Investment Corporation. He's president of Collins Capital in Dallas. He's a trustee to Curva TV. He's a board of director and vice president of the Carr P. Collins Foundation. None of these men gave information concerning any church affiliation. With the other Collins, usually if they do have a church affiliation, it's Episcopalian. So they were not Jewish at all. They really just had affiliation with the Episcopalian. But they weren't really the ones that were in control of the Episcopalian church sector of Christianity that started it. Well, we will get into that for sure. And the Collins family also built the world's fastest, nicest ocean-going ships during the 1850s, for which, of course, you know, they didn't spare any expense. I mean, with that much power and wealth, of course, you're going to be able to hide yourself. Now, the Collins lost a number of ships to natural disasters, and after the financial panic of 1857, the Collins got out of shipping and directed their attention to coal and iron. Now, they had a home on Madison Avenue, New York, and one of the Collins, who is clearly descended from the old New England family, is the banker Atwood Collins, born in 1851, died in 1926, who graduated from Yale in 1873. And Yale is very prominent for, as we all know, Skull and Bones Society. Now, prior to the Civil War, the... American branch of the Collins family split off under the surname of Todd. As we mentioned at the beginning, Todd was one of the surnames. Uh, numerous occult figures, including important names in secret satan Satanism or various witchcraft groups, have had the last name of Todd. Uh, Presidents Madison and Lincoln were married to Todd's. Lincoln's wife, Mary Todd, was into the occult. Now, We're not going to go into Lincoln in this episode, but we will into another episode for sure. But I want to let the, the readers know he was on our side. That's why he was shot. Now, going in more into this, of course, there's also Sarah Ann Collins, who was born in 1730. We don't have a date of death, but was deeply attracted to the occult with her brother. She became skilled in occultism in Scotland after the American Revolution, then returned with her brother that the family still practices today. 
Now, the date varies when she died because she was stabbed to death by a wild woman in a Boston store. So they could have healed her. She could have died later. <clears throat> she could have died that day because they do have that capacity of keeping one alive before they actually die. We'll talk about that much, much later. But for now, there's also Pam Harriman. As you know, Harriman was one of the last names that was a surname of the Collins. So Pam Harriman is the man, <laughs> not kidding, is the one that is behind Bill Clinton and what he does. Okay, so even if we take down Bill Clinton and his wife Hillary Clinton, that doesn't matter because the one that actually is pulling the strings ain't going to be going down. We have we have evidence against the thirteen families, but not enough to put them away. For right now, we have enough information to expose them, which is what we're doing here. Now another surname Payne that we talked about. Okay, the Payne family has a big part in the Rockefellers and Standard Oil. Now, another descendant is Cornelius Vanderbilt Whitney, and Vanderbilt and Whitney were two prominent surnames. Okay? And he was married to... <clears throat> excuse me. He was married to Marie Norton. Now, Marie, after divorcing him, or maybe still mar kept marriage, we don't know how these things work sometimes. We just know that they like to do the intermarrying. But... Besides the point, later married W. Avril Harriman. And Harriman financed Hitler to power. As we mentioned earlier, that's Avril Harriman, Prescott Bush, Fritz Thyssen, and Friedrich Flick financed the Nazi regime. We're going to talk about that in a different family, not this one, though. Now, the Harrimans also helped bring the Bush family from oblivion back in the early 1920s. Because when Pre Prescott Bush, that's George H.W.'s father, lost all his money in the 1929 stock market crash, the Harrimans again came to financially help Prescott Bush back on his feet. During the 1920s, W. Avril Harriman, Prescott Bush, Fritz Thyssen, Friedrich Flick created several entities to help finance Hitler and to produce the weapons Hitler would need to fight World War II. Now, we're, again, we're not, we're not going to talk much into it. We're just going to go into a brief section. But this is what they did. One of these companies was the German Steel Trust in German called Vereinigte Stahlwerk. If I, I'm sorry if I butchered that name. <clears throat> and I'm sorry if I have this awful cough. I was working and didn't do the courtesy of Drinking enough water after I was done. But that's all good because I'm here wanting to speak to you all and give you this free, awesome information. And I love authenticity. So it keeps us alive. <laughs> but yes, the company that they hid their wealth under produced 35% of Nazi Germany's explosives, 50.8% of Germany's pig iron, 38.5% of Nazi Germany's galvanized steel, 36% of Germany's heavy plate, 22.1% of Germany's wire, and many other things essential for Hitler. Uh, if it had not been Harriman and Bush's money helping Thyssen, who was Hitler's major backer, Hitler would never, never, ever, 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 ever been able to launch World War II. Thyssen even wrote a book in the 1930s called I Paid Hitler, 
which is now rare, which is why, of course, we can already go back to a how and who did that. Now, telling about how he financed Hitler and the Nazis beginning in October of 1923. Now, to finish up with the cons and the occultism and a little bit about another Collins that was exposing them. This, this individual, his name is Isaac Bonewitz. Okay, this, this isn't the individual that exposed them. But I, Isaac Bonewitz sits on the illustrious council's Grand Druid Council as he wrote the book Witchcraft, the Green Egg. The history of the top families agree with Bonewitz that in order to continue to practice their witchcraft, they use the cover of Freemasonry. So all the more reason there's evidence to say that Freemasonry is also a cult created by them. The 13 families. We're going to go in much deeper into Freemasonry, but not in this episode. Now, in 1770, Lord Peter, Grand Master in the Masonic Lodges in the British colonies appointed John Collins to be the provincial grandmaster of Quebec and co-authored by a board of Masonic editors, history of the ancient and honorable fraternity of free and accepted Masons and concordant orders. And there was Boston, New York, the fraternity here, the fraternity publishing company, 1891 states this on page 225. And of course, there is John Todd, or Johnny Todd. Here's one who actually knew exactly what was going on and was, in fact, exposing them to the core. He had multiple personality disorder because when you're not able to heal yourself, when you're on your own, you, it's very difficult to heal yourself through the process of actually, you know, <laughs> exposing. But here I'll just read on a chord of this. Johnny Todd is reported to have converted to Christ on Labor Day, 1972, according to one person that talked to by the source we gathered from. Now, it seemed like the talk that was heard, Johnny Todd gave indication in 1973 as his conversion date. He was of the Collins family, and Todd's, and at some point, after coming to Christ, told people he had been a member of the Grand Druid Council of the Illuminati. When he left the occult, he ran a small business in South Carolina where he was falsely discredited and falsely imprisoned. They would release him if he told them where the underground Christians were. He refused multiple times as he was transferred to different prisons and his rights were taken away and he died in prison in 2007 because he exposed his satanic family. There's a book about him called uh, The Todd Phenomenon, Ex-Grand Druid vs. the Illuminati, Fact or Fantasy, and that's fantasy with a PH, not an F. But it does go into a lot more detail about John Todd. Uh, a lot of these things people will think as conspiracy theories, and there's no such thing as cons conspiracy theory because that's the word that the satanic elite love to throw around for people to look like crazy people when reality is reality. The only time someone is crazy is when someone has no control over their body and, you know, <laughs> they're very violent. That's crazy. 
or very loopy. But because you all were so patient, so awesome about listening in on the Collins family, I want to thank you all so much for this because this is the only way I'm able to get this information out. I've decided not to use social media that social media giants have taken over. And it is run by Zionists. Excuse me. And the Zionists, we're not going to get into on this episode. We will get into later. Um, if, when, if, if and when the time is right, we'll, we'll definitely do that. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and go over s- some long-term generational wealth because we went over the first two sections. The first one was you want to set up a business entity. That's your first step. Okay, Setting up an LLC, setting up a, a corporation... Uh, There is limited partnerships. There are partnerships. uh, There are sole proprietors, self-employed. There's all different types. But the the best way for long-term generational wealth is having a corporation that you work for and having your LLCs on those assets. Uh, Now, once that is established, of course, what you do is you go out and acquire assets. Uh, That's the second one that we talked about in the second episode, acquiring assets. One of those is real estate. Okay. Now we, we talked about that, that it's not particularly wise right now where we're headed for an economic and system collapse. So it doesn't just have to be real estate. It's really a resource, an asset that you are able to provide in any economy, really. That is what goes into your LLC because the LLCs don't pay any taxes. The business doesn't pay taxes. So when the owner is, say, the corporation, then the corporation is the one that pays the taxes. Okay? So we're going to go into here, the third one. So the third one here is what's called currency flow. Not cash flow, currency flow and hard resources. Okay? So the currency flow is, right now, of course, we have cash. We also have money. But people usually have what is direct deposit or wires. And it's more so the direct deposits than anything else. But what's going to turn into is the virtual currency. Because it's uh, a currency flow. So you have different assets that you have based upon what you provide as value is going to be what that currency comes in as a form of what you will have. Okay, so then what you do is you take that currency to obtain hard resources, such as precious metals, precious stones, agriculture, real estate, whatever it is that really you know yourself best to succeed with for for, for helping others, for furthering God's will and purpose not Satan's agenda of the New World Order. So this is the... This is, this is where you set it on autopilot. The only way you set it on autopilot 
is when you've done what you've done so many times to the point that you don't need to work it anymore and people will enjoy it. Not to say in the sense that you don't make any changes, but in the sense where you take off a massive portion of that work and someone else takes care of it for you. But it's not in a way that you overbear them. You're doing it because, you know, hey, hey, you know, I get leverage over you. You have to do what I tell you. No, it's nothing like that. I mean, you, you give them the objective of how to live life successfully, giving them long-term gener generational wealth in return, as well as them helping you build yours. So it is built about building those right relationships. So yes, currency flow really is anything that gives you the ability to buy what provides your lifestyle. It doesn't have to be just money and cash. It could be crypto. Okay, it could be food. Okay. It could be attention. There's nothing wrong with attention. Only time there's something wrong with something, such as money, as they say, money is the root of all evil. It's not. The love of money is the root of all evil. It's the love of idolizing something to make you seem like you're more powerful, which is called pride. It's called happiness. Happiness is a best friend's ego, whereas joy is when happiness meets love. So the book that I'm going to give to you folks here is called How to Start and Run Your Business the Right Way by Michael Bowman. Michael Bowman is a licensed attorney. Uh, he is licensed for doing and providing advice on asset protection. Uh, the books that we mentioned in the other two episodes, we did mention, of course, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Tony Robbins' Money Master the Game, as well as Unshakable. Both are the same. One is detailed, one is just the meat and potatoes. And we mentioned uh, as well as The Art of War. And this one, again, is also How to Start and Run Your Business the Right Way by Michael Bowman. All right, folks. Well, that is all for the time that we have today. And I do realize from the previous episode, I put it on an abrupt halt. I did not mean to do that, but it is all good because I just wanted to get that information out to you folks because the information is important to what we are doing. We're doing something that's right, something that's pure, something that helps people because it brings purpose, brings long-term generational wealth, health, and joy. Till next time, signing out. Peace out.